when you're achieving goals, it rolls up. It's cyclical and it builds upon itself. It's like a, a snowball rolling down a hill, gathering and growing on itself. The more you achieve goals, the more you can achieve goals because you realize you can achieve goals. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings, and as always, here with Ben Bergeron. Every week on the show, we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. We answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence, and explore the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you for joining us this here week. How have you been? This here week, doing good. We've got listener questions uh, this week about building muscle when we're younger, how to deal with, or how we deal with Halloween candy, uh, and uh, dealing with stress in high pressure jobs. Our workout this week will be a question from Thomas, all about how to balance the drive and ambition of youth with the mellowing that uh, that comes with getting older. And we'll cool down with a hopper talk question about uh, reflecting on the year that we are almost done with. Ready for the warm up? Let's do it. We start each episode with your questions about the five factors of health, those few fundamental behaviors that most positively affect our performance, vitality, and longevity. Those five factors are how we eat, how we move, how we think, connect, and recover. This week, we've got a question in the move, eat, and think categories. We'll do move first, and this is from Morgan. He says, or she says, I found CrossFit in my mid-20s and have uh, been doing it now for about 10 years. I have a football background and lost some weight, mostly muscle mass and strength numbers, but wasn't too concerned because I've been doing endurance and gymnastics that I never uh, that I never thought I'd be able to do, and my body feels great. However, I've been hearing a lot lately on your podcast and others about the imp- importance of muscle mass and its effect on health later in life. I've always been a hard gainer and now that I'm in my mid to late 30s, I uh, am seeing a bit of a slowdown. I'm worried that I've I've missed my prime muscle building window. I guess my question is, should we be as focused as we can on building muscle while we're still younger and it's easier than maintaining uh, than maintaining as we get older? Yeah, so muscle mass matters, but it's not all that matters. I would not go and change your workout regimen routine to a hypertrophy program just to try to add muscle because muscle mass has been correlated with better health later in life. There are plenty of other factors that are also correlated with better health from flexibility to cardiovascular to other things. It's one of a multitude of factors. The idea is if you're trying to chase longevity, vitality, uh, and what most of us are trying to do in this community, do the well-rounded program training like CrossFit, like Comp Train. That's the approach that we want to take. And you will have plenty of muscle mass from following that without going on a bodybuilding program or some sort of powerlifting program. It's not muscle mass for the sake of muscle mass. It's muscle mass to create functional movements to be able to do what you want to do later in life. So it's a it's a pretty straightforward, quick answer, which no, don't worry about what you had, what you missed. And if you were to encourage people, um, younger people, the answer is no, don't go and try to gain as much muscle as you possibly can. Do some resistance training so you have some level of muscle. It's not more muscle, more vitality, more energy, more longevity. It's not more is more. It's you need some muscles on your body. And I would imagine that if you've been following a program like we have, uh, you're doing just fine. Yep. Love it. 
All right, next question is from Heather. It's in our eat category. She says, in a recent episode, there was a tiny blip of a comment on Halloween candy and it got me thinking. I'm a mom of two kids who are now not so little, 10 and 12, but the Halloween candy thing is always an issue. What do you and Ben, especially now that Ben's kiddos are getting older like mine, do with the candy? We eat pretty clean, et cetera, and the Halloween thing is just a pain. I'm also super cautious not to over-regulate as they get older because we have all heard the cautionary tales about parents over-restricting anything, any one thing and the kid going off the rails eventually. So I thought, I like this question. We're not that far off from Halloween. First question, is there still Halloween candy in your house? No, there's not. So Good for you. This, this is the difference of understanding the difference between chronic and acute. And it's really, if we understand yep, this, it can yeah. help out with a lot. Um, acute stress is like a workout or an ice bath or public speaking. Great, maybe even beneficial. Uh, that's the reason we do it is because we is beneficial. Even like acute inflammation is beneficial. You sprain your ankle, your body sends blood to that area and you have acute inflammation. Chronic inflammation or chronic stress is th- the silent killer. This is the same approach that we take with Halloween candy or any um, celebration. Halloween is a really nice, clean example, though, of how you do this, how we do this, which is on Halloween, let's celebrate. Let's do it. Let Have as much candy as you want, unregulated. Have as much candy as you want. But when they wake up in the morning, the Halloween candy is gone. That changes it from an acute one big insulin spike, which your body, if you're insulin sensitive, can 100% deal with. You might get a belly ache, but in terms of long-term health effects, it's zero. If you're insulin sensitive, which means you don't always have sugar, you're going to be fine. The problem is when they're having two, three, four pieces of candy every single day for the next three months, which is if we're in December and we're still talking about Halloween candy, this is what's happening. This is the chronic sugar. What the chronic sugar leads to is hyperinsulinemia. Hyper meaning too much, insulin meaning insulin, anemia in the blood, too much sugar in the blood. That that that's what we are that's like case number 1 in terms of the eat category is make sure we're not of we're, we're not uh, having an environment, which we talk a lot about, we don't have an environment which makes it easy to have excess sugar. So this is where we are. It's worked. We've done it from the beginning, but even this year, they fought on it. They're like, no, we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again this year. We're going to, we're not going to do it. We're going to keep our candy. We're going to, and, and we said, we're going to have, you have as much as you want. By the time they had as much as they want, we're like, okay, grab your candy, bring it down here. And they gave us the bags pretty I wouldn't say willingly, but it was not a fight, right? <laughs> Somewhere not between a fight. willing and a fight. <laughs> and we also don't even, you know, I feel like, well, then you can ship it off to the troops and you can do all the, you give it away. No, I don't want to give this to our soldiers. It's like, I really believe that it's, it's small, tiny, um, small amounts to celebrate something. Yes. Right. But have it all the time is a no, no, no. Now, I'll be totally honest with this. Sometimes we find candy in our kids' bedrooms, like we do. It's people go, and now I can hear what people are saying. See, that's because you're overly strict and you're doing that. It's like, no, like 
my, my parents didn't do this and I hid candy in my room. It's like, I think it's a part of being a kid is you just, you know, we weren't like this with the older kids and the older kids were way worse and had way more candy hidden in their rooms. So I don't think it's one of those things. I think it's easy to draw that line and go, oh, if they're hiding candy, um, then it's because you did that thing. And I don't, I want to create an environment in which it makes it easy to eat clean. And that's what we're going to do. Now, we also want to make it uh, so we can celebrate and have fun and food can be a part of that joyous celebration. But Halloween is one night. Halloween is not three months. I love that. And it reminds me of the conversation we had last week about um, screen time and just like setting boundaries and setting rules. And then when you make the rule, you don't you don't go back on it just because, oh, okay, they're being, they're, they're asking nicely or they're asking loudly, right? right? That's right. not, that's not when you give in. Loudly. It's like, no, we made the rule. Yeah. We, we yeah. made the rule. We live by the rule. So I love that. All right. Last question we've got in our warm up is from Santiago. This in our think category says, as a former NCAA division one tennis player and current fighter pilot, I've been drawn towards CrossFit training as my primary strength and conditioning and yoga as my primary stretch, stretching and recovery for the last 10 years. As a new guy in the fighter pilot community, I've noticed that my peers and instructors combat the stress of this uh, this job in different ways. For some, it's working out and spending time with their family. For others, it's binge eating popcorn and beer. Do you have any advice on how to achieve and maintain optimal performance for folks in career fields that are continually under the pressure to perform and or with jobs that have little to no margin for error? I would say that that's fighter pilot, very little margin for error. Yes. Fighter pilot community is pretty amazing. Um, we're, I'm lucky enough to have been invited to fly with the Thunderbirds, and I communicate um, with one of the the uh, Blue Angels. And there, it's there, it's cool that that community is gravitating towards this message. So, um, love you guys, and I, I really admire what you do on so many different levels, from the zero margin error to the precision, the excellence, the commitment to doing something really amazing for our country and the values which you espouse. This is a, I really admire everything you do and everything that your crew does as well, which really goes unseen. You know, everyone talks about Maverick and Iceman, but very few people talk about the crew that makes it happen and the level of excellence that they, um, they execute as well, which is one of the things that blew me away when I had the opportunity to go and hang out with those guys. So, okay. Back to the question. Yeah. Uh, this isn't just these guys. This is a lot of high performers in general. They'll go one of two ways, right? Which is I'm going to combat the high stress of this day and I feel this tug. Like I feel it. I really do. There's, I don't even drink. And there's been times where like, like when I go home, I just like, I just want to like go have, have a glass of wine with my wife and I don't even drink. It's like, but I want that like decompression. I want that total release. I want that total let go from this high stress environment that approaches sometimes where there's the other side of that, which is I'm going to make sure I'm getting up early and I'm journaling and I'm doing my breath work and I'm spending time with my family and I'm getting outside and I'm eating clean and I'm working out. And they, it's one of those like to combat it. It almost is like you have to be on one end of the spectrum or the other. Being in the middle is really, it's really actually more challenging. It's more challenging in that gray area, especially for these all or nothing type people, which are the type of people that end up becoming fighter pilots. I, I get it. Obviously, there's a lot more benefit to being on the healthy side of that. Like everyone, if you're going to eat, treat, eat, 
eat, sleep, train, think, and recover better, you're going to be a better performer in the long term for so many different, a multitude of factors from cognitive to um, um, your character, to your ability to learn, to be able to communicate with other people for fast decision-making, um, to be able to withstand the physical rigors. It's just, we don't need to go down the rabbit hole of why that side is better. I think that the, maybe the, the, the question is getting at what would be the suggestion for the people that are maybe on the beer and popcorn side. And here's where this is not the first place I would go for. It actually, it's not even in our five factors really, but this community um, really would benefit from breath work. And it's the same thing with the, when I went out and talked to the Navy SEALs, this is what really got my wheels spinning on breath work. I went out to talk to the Navy SEALs and gave a, um, um, they presented their approach to mental toughness. And then I gave my approach to mental toughness. We talked about the differences and the similarities. The similarities, it was almost spot on. I had a seven-step process that I worked people through. They essentially had the same thing. I was missing breath work. And they, it was probably their number one. Their number one thing that they used to help those high performers in those high stress situations was breath work. That got my wheel spinning. I spent the next couple of years working through that. We've talked a lot about when I was in the process of learning about it. Um, but this is that type of community that needs to be able to detach and basically get back to a homeostasis, back to a, cause the, the, epinephrine, the adrenaline, the cortisol is pumping through those guys. And the, the, the amount of time that they spend in that sympathetic nervous system or that fight or flight, like it's on or it's death. Uh, you got to be able to basically pull a trigger and get all the way back. And if you don't pull the trigger, and get all the way back, you're going to hang out there. And it's really a detrimental state to be in for too long. And this is where breath work comes in really powerfully this is what uh, this would be my suggestion to that group is start to an easy way in is Wim Hof breathing, um, but that's even a little bit. It's a right. It's the right entry point. Let's call it that way. I would start with Wim Hof because it's so simplistic, but uh, a more comprehensive approach like uh, pranayama would be the the thing I would actually edge people towards. It's not about box breathing. I would not recommend, that's what everyone goes to, four in, hold for four, four out, hold for, that's not, that's not what I would steer people towards. Um, I would get it them more towards that holistic uh, pranayama technique, but I would do Wim Hof for weeks or months before I would even look it up. Just go and do Wim Hof for a few weeks, months, and then start to dabble into the, the other, um, more exhaustive approaches. Love that. All right. If you'd like to get a question into a future episode, a couple ways you can do it. Easiest and best ways to go to chasingexcellence.email, get on the newsletter list. We'll send out a link every Friday and you can get a question into the top of the queue. Both Santiago and Morgan this week got their questions in because of that. Or you can just find me on Instagram, PS Cummings, drop me a DM as always, and I will add it to our list. 
right, we're going to jump into a workout in a moment. But first, quick word of thanks from some sponsors. We're brought to you this week with support from a new sponsor and one that I am embarrassingly excited about, Notion. <laughs> You've heard me talk about Notion on the show before. And if you head to notion.com slash excellence, lowercase, you can learn more about what Notion is and support the show at the same time. What is Notion? It's an all-in-one workspace that can revolutionize the way you manage your digital life, your work, your habits, how you run your house, literally everything. I've been a heavy Notion user for many years and I run everything through it. Three podcasts, content for multiple brands, my own company, my task lists, my task lists and long-term goals. If it exists in my work life, it exists in Notion. Notion combines your notes, docs, projects all together in one beautiful space. And now it's even easier to navigate thanks to Notion's new feature, Q&A. This AI assistant can answer your questions about your workspace, saving you or your team from searching across multiple pages and multiple places. I used it just the other day. I needed to find uh, which episode of a show we answered a specific listener question, a quick ask of Notion Q&A, and it was able to find and get me that episode in just a few seconds. So why not give Notion a try? Visit notion.com slash excellence today and experience the power of this easy to use tool. By using our link, you'll not only be setting yourself up for a more organized digital life, but also be supporting the show. Again, notion.com slash excellence, all lowercase to start your Notion AI journey. Stay organized and join me on hashtag team Notion. I don't know if that's an actual hashtag, but I'm starting it. We are also brought to you this week with support from Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash excellence. Take your business to new heights. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you've got the power to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need. We use Com uh, we use Shopify at CompTrain for the online store. Ben, we uh, I just looked at it today. It looks great. We've got some good stuff up on there. And the reason we chose Shopify is because it allowed us to easily uh, and uh, it allowed us to easily match the website's look and feel and give us the power of Shopify underneath it all. What sets Shopify apart is its ability to put you in control of every sales channel, whether you're selling superfood smoothies at your in-person point of sale system or, or, or offering organic omega-3s on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you're covered. Shopify is trusted by 10% of all e-commerce in the US and is a global force powering brands like Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions more across over 170 countries. It's not just about the platform. Shopify offers award-winning help and support to ensure your success every step of the way. So don't wait any longer. Sign up for that $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash excellence. Unlock the possibilities of taking your business to new heights. All right, my friend, we've got a question from Thomas in our workout today. He also got uh, to the top of the queue by being on the newsletter list uh, by the by. This is what he says. I've always been driven. Uh, I've always been driven, and the pursuit of goals while doing the inner work to create fulfillment has been a daily focus going on 15 plus years. Now, in my mid to late 30s, I'm starting to lose some of that ambitious energy, and it feels disorienting because I get that as life progresses, as we experience loss and mature, it's natural for that ambition to be dimmed down, or at least be much less I focused and much more we focused. At the same time, I believe we're here to squeeze the juice out of the orange until there's nothing left. So my question, how do I balance these two contradictory energies? Do I accept that there's more to life than realizing goals than attacking, uh, than attacking it all, even if my identi identity hates the idea of that? 
Or do I seek out bigger, more challenging goals to light that fire and never succumb to mediocrity? My biggest fear is losing that spark, the life force, and that desire. Wow. It's a, uh, what was the name? Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. Great question. Obviously, somebody that's uh, doing the work to make sure that they're chasing what truly matters. Um, he says he's been doing the, the inner years. work to 15 yep. years of, yeah, of the inner work to um, make sure that he's creating fulfillment. It sounds to me like he's achieved a lot of his life goals, probably a lot sooner than he expected. And now it's a matter of, um, wow, this thing that I attached myself to was I am the type of person that goes and does and creates and achieves these things. And now I've done this. And now that I've done this, what's on the other side of this? Because um, I don't have that inner spark, life force, vitality towards anything else. Yeah, it seems like this thing is should be more than about me. It's about the we. Um, but I don't have that same ambitious energy that I once had. So... I think this is, I think you're experiencing what a lot of people experience probably 10 years later um, in this like midlife crisis. That's kind of what this thing is. And I think that you're spot on, Thomas, in terms of the question. And I think that the answer could be more than, than a singular path. One is essentially, it's now time to climb the second mountain. And there's actually a book called The Second Mountain, which is the idea is early in your life, through your 20s and your 30s, the idea is to achieve and to create some level of career satisfaction and financial flexibility, wherever you want to term that, security. And it's very clear what that path is. So people go because it's um, we have ambition, especially someone like you, Thomas, um, and we have the energy to do that. And obviously, when you're achieving goals, it rolls up. It's it's um, it's cyclical and it builds upon itself. It's like a, a snowball rolling down a hill, gathering and growing on itself. The more you achieve goals, the more you can achieve goals because you realize you can achieve goals. So the idea behind the second mountain is to do the same thing, but in different ways. It's been about doing the inner work to make sure you're creating the fulfillment, but at the same time, you're realizing it's probably more about we than me. To me, that speaks to we found fulfillment in your own journey, and now it's a matter of the second mountain. How can you have impact on other people's journeys? And that might be with your immediate family and your spouse. It might be with your community. It might be with um, bringing sanitation to Africa, whatever it might be, whatever that thing is that truly fulfills you. And Thomas seems like the guy, the type of person that's willing to do the work to sit in the space to try to figure out what that is. But that's where it goes is what is that thing that's going to create that spark, that life force, that thing that you're excited about again, because originally it was, I want to earn six figures. Okay. I want to get the, uh, you know, the million dollar home and be able to take the, the, the three vacations a year. Then it becomes, I want to um, have a million dollars in the bank. And then it becomes, I want to be able to retire by the time I'm 55. Okay. Now that we're, that path is coming to re realization and fruition. That's why the ambition's gone because it's no longer a challenge anymore. And instead of 
what I, what I really like about this is instead of continually moving the goalposts, which is what most people do is they go, okay, now that I've got a million dollars in the bank, now I need 4 million. Now that I got this, now I need 10. When I get to 10, that's where I'll really have the security. And I know that I can, everything will be okay. And everyone's got those different, if we could just stop moving the goalpost. And this is, this is like happiness 101 is people believe that if they got get get a certain level that they will be happy but that's just not the case whatsoever because people in the middle ages or before that if they had what any of the poorest people in our society had right now like the ability to communicate with somebody across the country the ability to get into a moving vehicle and be on the other side of town in 20 minutes. The ability to walk into a supermarket and get any food that they wanted. Like all of those luxuries would have seemed like the richest people on planet Earth couldn't do those things. If you said, like, you could do these things, they'd be like, oh my God, that's amazing. But what happens is, as our means become bigger and we, have more, our expectations rise. And what we do is we look around and go, it's not about what I have. It's about what I have relative to the people around me. And that's why we gauge ourselves, other people like us. And we don't gauge ourselves against people that are uh, lived 500 years ago or living in huts in Central Africa, or are people that are struggling to be able to um, you know, find a job and a shelter for the night, we compare ourselves to people that we know like us and usually just above us because we think that those people are slightly more happy than we are because we idolize what they espouse or what we impress, what we believe them to, to have. So instead of moving the goalpost farther and farther and farther, truly take the deep dive and go, what is the thing worth chasing? What is the thing that's going to cause me fulfillment? which is what Thomas is asking. And I love that. It seems to me the approach is, um, yeah, to create those goals again, but not move the same goals farther. Holist, like complete your zero cost-based accounting. There's You're starting from scratch, no sacred cows, nothing, no um, historical biases. Starting today, what is the next 20 years of your life want to look like? And there's no momentum. You're starting from dead zero today or January 1st, the bottom of the next mountain. Yeah, it's not it's not climbing up higher and higher on this mountain. You're trying to look at the map and go, which mountain do I want to climb now? And that's a very different conversation than this thing but more. And I I don't think this is Thomas, honestly, if he's done 15 works of, of, of trying to like figure out the fulfillment thing. Um, and he understands it's about we, not I, I, I think he's probably farther along. I think this more has to do with the doldrums that come from being between two mountains, you know, and it's, it life is not a linear path in any form or fashion. Anybody that's been an athlete and has been in business seasons aren't seasons, you know, there's winter, like there's time of cold and, you know, quote back old days, like starvation and hardship. Like th that's part of life. It part comes. And we have to realize that this is 
winter. This is the hard part for, for people like Thomas when they're trying to figure out, Hey, I think I'm kind of done with this thing. And I don't think it's a lack of energy or life force or vitality or eagerness to be alive. It's that we haven't found the thing that's setting us on fire that did at one point. And we just need to find that thing again. There, Thomas kind of uh, put out there like this, this dichotomy of either I'm ambitious or I'm uh, mediocre, I think is the word he used. Do you see it as that? Like, do you see it like if you're not ambitious, you're, and we've used the word complacency, which maybe we can use as a synonym. If you're not ambitious, you're complacent. Or do you feel like there's a way to not push so heavy as maybe we do when we're 20, but not, and not ultimately fall or sit in that sort of that complacent camp? Is there a way to to balance those two things? Yeah. And I think this is what we, I think we should be chasing this at all times. It took me until I was 45 to figure this out. But it is, it's is—it's the evolution of our conversation, which is it's not obsession, burn all bridges in pursuit of this one thing, this singular excellence. What we're looking for is excellent lives. An excellent life is not a singular um, aspect. It's not one of the singular roles you play or a singular um, ambitious goal. It is your life in totality. And I like this approach in terms of uh, Raval Navikant had said this, where it's, you know, we like to compare ourselves to other people. But when we do that, we say, man, I would love to have his body and I would love to have what his earning potential. And I'd love to have uh, the relationship he has with uh, his family. And I would love to have um, the freedom that he has in his career. And I would love to have, and you don't get to do that. Like, you don't like, but that's the way our minds work. And sing, similarly, that's not the way that we are approaching this thing. Excellence to us is not the guy with the six pack on Instagram. That's not what this thing is. And it's not the person that has $10 million uh, in the bank. And it is not the person that wins the CrossFit games. And it is not the person that. Um, has all of the freedom to do anything that they want to, that you know spent the last seven months camping in the woods. It's the cross section of all of those things. It is the wholesale approach. And it looks a lot more like a stew than it does what would be the opposite analogy of that? Uh, a charcuterie board. <laughs> is that? right? Where it's like, you got this thing here, you got this thing here. It's all thrown together. So when you're thinking about the totality of what we're doing, it's, it is the it is how your wife speaks to you when you walk through the door. It is the how close your kids want to sit next to you when they're watching a movie. It is the the feel in the vibe when you sit down to have a meal with your friends. It is the feeling you get when you say your coworker wants to speak to you on Monday morning. It is that project you're doing at work. It is the, and you get it. It is all of these things. To, it is the way you feel uh, your energy and your vitality. It is the way that you what, what, what's going through your mind when you go to fall asleep. It is, this is the totality of the excellence that we're chasing. And if we were to boil it all down into one thing, it really 
the really and and Thomas is pointing at, he's hinting at it very strongly. The thing that we the, the number one indicator to me for a life of excellence is peace of mind. That's because when you have peace of mind, everything else is where we want it to be. It, it's it's where, but that you understand that could be a level of complacency, and that's okay. Like it's not ambition or complacency; it's peace of mind. That's what we're after. And if you earn thirty five thousand dollars a year doing this thing, fill in the blank. And you love it and you have a great relationship with your wife and your kids look at you like you're the greatest person that's ever walked the earth and you love your, like, and you get where I'm going with this and you have health and you sleep great at night and you wake up with energy. Like that's what we're looking for. Now, what we want is for all of those ingredients What's the analogy I use? Of the stew. I was about to say stir fry. We want all those ingredients of the stew to be there to allow it to be a nice, really good meal. And if one of the things is off, you know, if you put a Brussels sprout in there that you cooked six months ago that's moldy, well, that's gonna that's gonna really make the whole thing kind of messy and not taste very good. So we need to work on that piece. And that's the way we kind of go about this balance as opposed to pursuit of this one ambitious goal at the expense of all others. And I think this is just the evolution, much like we've had this evolution over the last 10 years. We were very much where it's like ambitious energy, go get this thing, set the goals, achieve the goals, do the thing, make the thing, climb the ladder. Um, let's become the best in the world at this thing to a little bit more understanding, um, which can look like complacency from the outside. Do you think that part of the, maybe our, and maybe we can intuit a little bit of Thomas's evolution of being really, and again, we just keep using this word ambitious to a time now where that's not the right word, or maybe that's not the right word. Do you think that that has something to do with uh, kind of the internal and external motivations that sometimes we have. In, in other words, when we're younger, there's this there's there's this sort of natural drive to prove to other people that you are fill in the blank, whatever that might be. I'm the best this. I'm good at that. I'm uh, you should pay attention to me. All these other whatever whatever the external uh, motivations or incentives might be. A lot of times, that's what drives the ambitions, the goals, the want to get better, the climb the ladder, etc. And as we get a little bit older and we start to recognize the sort of implicit fallacies of a lot of those extrinsic things, we we tend to turn those motivations inward. They tend to be more internal. And when you when that happens, there's less of that drive that I think Thomas is alluding to that you're talking to talking about a little bit here. Do you think that that's at least part of the natural evolution of this conversation of us, the way we've been thinking about it, is I'm going to prove it to you versus I'm going to prove it to myself. Yeah, I think it's really valid. Um, that I want to prove this to you. Wow, that's like crazy motivating. Like that's like incredibly, incredibly motivating. That's why you hear the stories about, you know, the Michael Jordans and the Kobe Bryants um, and the Matt Frasers that are like, I'm going to go prove like me against the effing world, 
right? It's that type of mentality. And that's the type of mentality that becomes the one, the singular. And that more balanced, holistic uh, approach doesn't have that because it's not a singular drive. It's not a it's not a this at all cost. But I also want to caution that or caveat that with you can still be equally as ambitious. It's just not going to look like it <laughs> because you understand, as you said, the fallacies of that approach. Because once you once you understand what where happiness comes from, and it's not achievement. Well, if you're not striving for achievement to people that are, it looks like you become complacent. So, so any like anybody looks at any monk, and by and large, like that's what monks spend their entire lives doing is becoming having peace of mind so they can achieve true joy and happiness. Um, you know, the Dalai Lama essentially is you know considered to be one of the happiest people that's ever lived, and that's what he commits his life to. But if you looked at him, you'd be like, the dude wears a robe and just walks around giggling all the time and having like small talk conversations. And it doesn't seem like a very, like, where's the, where's the Lamborghini? You know, where's, where's the, you know, the, the fortune he's amassed. And it looks like it's not ambition, but I, I don't think that's true. I think that to, to get there, you have to be incredible incredibly ambitious. And I don't have the definition of, of ambition, but to me, ambition is working hard towards a goal. That's what that seems like. And it's just that the goal, it's again, we've talked about this recently in another podcast. It's the, um, what gets, not everything that can be measured matters. And because you can measure it, it's so easy to go, well, this is the thing. How many followers do you have? How much money did you earn last year? How much, how many days of vacation were you able to take? How many people are in your business? You know, it, it, it seems like that's the easy way to measure things. You know, what school did your kids get into? It's really easy to kind of put that on a scale when that probably isn't the thing that actually matters in the long run for all of us. And I'm not to say those aren't things worth chasing. I would rather have, <laughs> I'd rather have more followers, more money, more vacations, and my kids go to better schools. Like, right. That's but because that's it's not necessarily the means to the end. You can have those things, but recognize that those things aren't going to get you to peace of mind. All right, we'll wrap it up there. Jump into a new shout out, and we're gonna do a round of hopper talk to wrap this episode up. But first, quick word of thanks from a few more sponsors. We're brought to you this week with support from our friends at Chirp. Are you tired of dealing with back pain and muscle soreness? Look no further. I've got a solution for you. Let me introduce you to Chirp, the brand that's revolutionizing pain relief and muscle recovery. Head to gochirp.com and use the code excellence for 10% off your first order. Chirp's products are simple, effective, and have already helped over a million people feel better. Their innovative approach focuses on reducing muscle soreness and fatigue, relieving pain and discomfort, and improving mobility and range of motion. Whether you're an athlete looking 
looking to recover faster or someone struggling with chronic pain, Chirp has got you covered. One of their flagships pro flagship products is the Chirp Wheel. Unlike traditional foam rollers that only target your spine, the Chirp Wheel cradles your spine with its unique spinal canal design, providing targeted relief to the muscles surrounding it. With different wheel sizes and pressure levels, Chirp offers customizable pain relief and muscle recovery tailored to your specific needs. If you're looking for a more versatile option, the Chirp RPM is the perfect choice. It combines the therapeutic power of percussive massage and rolling massage techniques, covering 400% more surface area than traditional massage guns. With its wide massage area and rechargeable battery, the RPM is perfect for flushing out tension in large muscle groups. Ready to experience the benefits of Chirp for yourself? Well, head to gochirp.com. Use the code excellence at checkout for 10% off your first order. Plus, Chirp offers a 60-day feel-good guarantee, ensuring your satisfaction with their products. Don't let pain hold you back from doing the things you love. Say goodbye to back pain and muscle aches with Chirp. Visit gochirp.com. Use the code excellence for 10% off your first order. Your body will thank you. We are also brought to you this week by One Skin. Are you ready to give your skin a healthy boost? Well, let me introduce you to OneSkin, the world's first skin longevity company. With their groundbreaking approach to skincare, you can achieve radiant and healthy skin that looks and feels younger. Learn more at oneskin.co and use the code excellence to get yourself 15% off your order. OneSkin has developed revolutionary peptide called OS1. This powerful ingredient is scientifically proven to prevent the accumulation of aged senescent cells, the primary culprit behind skin aging. It's like a magic potion that not only prevents but slows down the aging process, leaving you with healthier, more hydrated, and glowing skin. That's not all. OneSkin has recently launched their mini bundles, perfect for those who are always on the go. These bundles include face and eye topical supplements, body lotion, and cleanser, all conveniently packed in their travel bag. Whether you're traveling this winter or looking for the perfect stocking stuffer, OneSkin has got you covered. With the new year approaching, there's no better time to prioritize your skin health, embrace the power of OneSkin, and un unlock the secret to radiant and youthful skin. Visit oneskin.co today. Use the code excellence to get 15% off your purchase. Don't miss out on this opportunity to give your skin the care it deserves. One more time, oneskin.co. Use the code excellence. Save yourself a little bit. All right. Shout out. Shout out is when we take just a moment to read a note that we've been uh, sent, or in this case, a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have not left us a review on Apple Podcasts, it does help uh, new folks find the show and trust that the show is worth their time. So if you got a minute, we would love to read them. This one is from Angie. She says, Ben and Patrick, I love starting my day with listening to Chasing Excellence. It helps me get in the good mindset, calm me, and helps me focus on my intention for the day. I did a member video for our CrossFit gym on morning routines and shared Chasing Excellence as a highlight. I've listened to every episode at least twice. Thank you for the impactful and valuable content and the connection you make available. Although you don't know me, I feel like I start my day with two supportive friends. I am better because of the ideas you spark in my personal reflections, reflections and conversations with friends. Hmm. I love that. Yep. Listen to every episode twice. That's a, that's a lot. That's like 600 episodes, That's amazing. 600 plays. That's two, um, two years of every day. Uh, tw twice, <laughs> two years of every day. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. That, that is why it feels like she's hanging out with friends. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot that. of time with us in her ears. Thank you, Angie. Um, all right. Cool down. 
Uh, we recently answered a listener question about New Year's and you know reflecting on the year behind, thinking about the year to come. And I was I wanted to do a hopper talk this week, and I was surfing Reddit as I do for these often. And uh, I found this one. I was like, yeah, let's do that. Uh, and this is the question: As 2023 is coming to a close, what is the thing you are most proud of this year? You can go first. I'll go first. Okay. So I won. I I, I will echo what. I don't know, maybe it was a month ago we answered this question. Uh, and I remember them saying like, I always leave the year feeling disappointed and always really excited about the next year. And that's uh, that's a, that's kind of what I'm feeling right now. So that that is pr pretty typical for me to come out of a year feeling uh, a little bit like, ah, I had higher hopes than it, than, than it ultimately um, came through with. But um, that being said, I think thinking about the past year, I think the if I had to identify like one thing and it, and I I'm, my mind naturally goes to work stuff so so you fault me for that but the one thing I thought about was um, a mutual friend of ours John Gilson who we had on the show a number of months ago uh, he and I started a new project that launched uh, probably like April somewhere in the er, the early year and it's a it's a podcast it's a it's it's a project called Optimal Agency and the thing that I think I'm the most proud of is that. This year has probably probably been the busiest year of my life in terms of work, and it would have been really easy with something as new as Optimal Agency. Like it takes a lot; it's it's pushing a boulder uphill, and those first that first year, like it it's a lot of work to get um, to get attention, to get people to buy in, to get people to understand what it is. And it would would have been really easy over the last year to say, you know what, like I just don't have the space for this; I don't have the brain space for it. But I really love the project and I really, really love working with John again. John and I started Again Faster, as you know, uh, many, many years ago. And so it was a really good spark for our relationship. Uh, and I just think what we're doing is really cool and interesting and I'm really into it. And so what I'm proud about is like at the times when I could have said, you know what, I just don't have space for this. Like I just, I don't have time for it. I, John and I figured out like, how do we make this work within the context and the, co the constraints that we've got? And I'm really, I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about where it can continue to go. And I think if I do identify the one thing I'm most proud of, it's like I didn't, I didn't give up on that thing when it would have been easy to, to put it on the back burner and say someday maybe I'll have enough time or whatever to pick that thing back up. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud that we didn't do that. He and I, because he could have easily made that choice as well. Uh, and I'm excited to, to keep doing it. Cool. I. I think it's really easy. we talked about this when this came up on the podcast a couple weeks ago, whenever we talked about that. Uh, but just to call it out again, it, we overestimate what we can accomplish in a year and we drastically underestimate what we can accomplish in a decade. So if you look back on this previous year and go, oh, like I really thought, you know, I'd be able to run a six minute mile, deadlift 400 pounds. My business would be t spitting off, you know, tons of cash that, you know, I would, you know, fill in the blank of all the things that we have eyes on life isn't linear and we don't get to we don't get to dictate when we get the things but i do believe i do believe with enough hard work patience and persistence we can get the things that we set out for but we can't get them on our timeline and we can't get them without the bumps in the road and those are the two things that derail people. And that's why they don't get them because they're like, I would have thought, I thought I would have had this by this year. Maybe it's not. So they let it go and, or, well, this huge setback. So they let it go. 
make 10 year horizon goals, not one year that most people aren't going to accomplish the one years, but doesn't mean don't set them again. Don't mean, don't set them again. And then look back 10 years and see where you are from 10 years ago. And then you go, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is different. Um, okay. Having said that Ben Bergeron thing that he always does after someone says something, um, Mine this year, this falls right in line with the conversation we just had. It's I, when somebody says this, they want a measurable. I just listed a few. I want six minute mile. I want you know to be able to my my business to be spitting off two hundred fifty k a year. I want uh, you know ten percent body fat. I want, but that's when I think about this past year. Not everything that can be measured matters, and not everything that measures matters can be measured. I think that's, you know, especially in today's data driven world, we need to like keep coming back to that to remind ourselves of how important that realization is. Cause when I really look back at this year and what am I proud of that I accomplished, that's where my brain wants to go, but it's nothing that can be measured. It is Definitely, definitely, definitely the thing I am most proud of this past year is the relationship I have with my two kids. Like there is not a close second. And I know, I know what it is. I know how important that is to me. And I know how strong it is. I re like, it's the craziest, best relationships I've ever had in my life. And they're so much love and gratitude reciprocated both ways that um, this year has been the best year of that. And maybe it's because they're a little bit older and they can do a little bit more things and have a little bit more meaningful conversations and they're becoming real personalities and people with their own value sets that they get to decide whether they really like to spend time with dad or not. Um, that's that's the thing that I'm really, really proud of. Um, and obviously it didn't happen in one year. It's something that, you know, has been a part of this whole thing for a long time, but that's where I go in the last 10 years. Cause 10 years ago, um, I had one, one year old, <laughs> I didn't even have Harley didn't even exist. So if you think about like, what have you accomplished in the last 10 years? That's where you go. Wow. Wow. Like I never envisioned this. I never, I, you know what it's like and every Dad, that's when when you get that child, you get this weird, crazy sense of responsibility. The day it's born, it's a light switch that flips on. You go, what the crap just happened? And you feel so, it feels so different. But I think it's different for moms and his dads. The love thing doesn't, it doesn't come that way. It's a responsibility thing that I felt anyway. It was this huge and a grateful responsibility. It wasn't like a, oh damn, now I got to do this. It was a, I'm, I, I'm, I'm excited for this part of the journey and this new found um, pursuit and um, part of my life. But as they get older and it becomes, uh, you know, also like being a, a a dude, like you don't have, at least by default. I think that we have to really work for it or you have a special childhood or a really special friend. We don't have people that we are uh, incredibly close with 
And that's the opportunity I've had with my kids is I've had an opportunity from the beginning to, to forge a relationship in my vision of how I close I wanted to be somebody without feel like I was intruding on somebody or overstepping or understepping or anything in between that comes with normal uh, friendships and relationships that you know I, I tend to over judge and evaluate. And this is like, nope, I'm here to do this fully. And that's definitely the thing that I am the most proud of this year. It goes everything from like spending the entire summer with them, um, you know, running a sailing program for them to being at all of their practices and all those like, you know, the transactional things, be present, do that. But then all the small things that mean so much that you can never put into words, like the way that they, like there's a way that they snuggle that you just know that's special. You know, they either sit next to you or they become a part of you. And that's when that happens. It's like, that's crazy. Did you, this, I really like this question and I, I recommend folks sit and answer this one. Was it hard? For, is it hard for you? This, this question specifically to, to apply pride to, to the previous year, maybe it was a little different because the kids and that's like, I, I totally get that. It was hard for me to sit yeah. and say, yeah. I'm no, I'm going to label some things as being proud of it. Whereas my, my natural inclination is to say, yeah, but that could have been, it could have been X. It could have been different. It could have been better. It could have been bigger, whatever that could have been. My, to me, it was like, I did have to work through that as the initial response before I got to one or two or three or five things. I was like, no, you know what? Stop being so hard on yourself. Be proud of yourself for this, this, and this. I think it goes back to the question that Thomas asked. If you accomplish something that the world recognizes as an accomplishment, that can be measured, that you get the accolades, applause, and awards for. So if you made it to the CrossFit Games for the first time, if you won the CrossFit Games, if you sold a business, if you bought a house, if you um, took your first trip on a plane that you've never done before because you grew up in a different uh, circumstance. Like if you had that one accomplishment thing, I think it's pretty easy to go that because that's what the world looks at. I got a million social media followers from zero the year before. Like I look what I built. I think it's easy to answer that question. And we've had years like that, but that's, that's not most years. I think that's what we have to recognize. Most years are not the huge blockbusters. They're not the life-changing things. But in a decade, they happen. That's And that's what we have to realize is that it's not linear. It's not even stair-stepping. Mm -hmm. It's roller coaster. <laughs> but the roller coaster does go up into the right most cases. Yep. Love that. All right. Thank you. Thank you, everyone out there, for sending us your questions. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. If you would like to get on the newsletter, chasingexcellence.email will get you there. Uh, we send out an email every Friday with a link, and you can uh, use that to get a question to the top of the queue. We thank you in advance. Ben and I will be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence.